This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Thank you, Fagy. Before I speak today, I would like to introduce one of the Gedele Hadora here today. His name is Shimon Koyako. Shimon Koyako is the originator, creator of Torah Anytime. So I'd like to have his brother Ruben. So this man has, you know, there's more time to learn today on Torah Anytime than anywhere else in the world. So we just want to talk for two minutes. One minute. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I've been coming here the past a few Mondays. It's been absolutely amazing. And we've been promoting the new Torah Anytime service we made for the cloud called the Torah Anytime Daily Dose. Mm-hmm. How many in this room getting the Daily Dose every morning? Mm-hmm. Is it really amazing? Yes. Okay, excellent. So for those of you that are not getting it, I highly encourage you to sign up. It's a free service. It's only for those people that have WhatsApp. If you don't have WhatsApp, please don't get WhatsApp. But if you have it anyway, let's utilize it at least for something good. I'll be here uh, throughout the lecture and afterwards on the way out. I'll help you how to sign up. You have little cards next to you. The instructions are here. It's very simple. Make sure you read it carefully. And please uh, encourage other people to sign up that have it as well. We have amazing speakers like Rabbi Wallerstein, uh, uh, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Shapiro, Rabbi... On Torah Camp, we have over a thousand speakers for Hashem. Uh, over 85,000 Shirim. Every week we're putting on over 300 speakers. Also, I just want to mention on Tishabov, we're having a big worldwide event. Ornava's having an event as well. We should take advantage of. Torah Anytime is having an event. Uh, so please let people know about it. Let's make the day very, very, very meaningful. Thank you very much for the opportunity. All the very best. Thank you, Shimon. Just an idea. I started this off with him. And today, Torah Anytime is, is across the world. It's there are more hours left on Torah anytime, I think, than in Das Yaimi. It's, it's, it's unbelievable because it's women and men. The women are not, as far as I know, are not learning Das Yaimi yet. It might happen still. So it's, it's, it's really what I'm talking about today. That's why I had him introduced. Because it's an idea. It's a, it's, a, it's a stop, it's a think, and it's a decision. So the, the, the title today is Turn the Page. So many of us... Many people in Klai Yisrael are going through all kinds of different hard times in many different aspects of their life. The most important thing and the basis of Amuna is understanding that you're not going to be stuck in that forever and that it's mamish one second to the next when life can change. I want to start we wrote a we're writing, we finished it actually, a book. It's coming out in L.O. on, I, I had some flyers on your on your chairs. On a lesson a day, a lesson a day, given of the aim. I felt very strongly that this generation, and all the parents probably in this room agree with me, that this generation does not understand the halacha of kibbut of the aim. It's, it's now kibbut ben obas. It changed, it flipped very much. It's honor your daughter's light armor jacket. Okay. 
So it has changed very much, but the truth is that a lot of us do not know the halachas of Kibbut Aveim. So myself and Rabbi Finkelman got together and we wrote a lesson every day of the year, a story and a halacha in Kibbut Aveim. I would like to open today's shir with lesson 62 in our book on Kibbut Aveim. And I think that most of us in this room have no idea about this halacha. One is obligated to rise, to get up, for his father and his mother. It's Yeridea. A father or mother may be Michael, the honor, forgo the honor for them. Of course, one must also rise for his mother. The consensus amongst commentators is that one must rise to its full height. Not just, you know, like get out of your seat for a little bit, but when your mother or father walk into the room, you have to get up to your full height. According to the Beis Yosef, that's where the Svardim, whose psak is always followed by the Svardic Jewry, one must rise every time a parent enters the room. However, Ashkenazic Jewry follows the opinion of the Ramah, that one must rise once in the morning and once in the evening for the appearance. It is a common custom for parents to be michael regarding their children's obligations about rising in their honor. Rav Nissen Karelitz writes, to rise for appearance is an important aspect of kibbutz of aim and should not be totally ignored. At the same time, he states that parents should not demand this of their children. Instead, they should learn with their children the halachas of kibbutz of aim and the children will realize on their own that it is what they should be doing. He also suggests that yeshivas, and in Mitzvah Shem we hope to put this safer into every yeshiva, because of the women in this room, how many of you in school were taught the laws of Kivad of Aim? And the answer is, maybe 1%. In boys' yeshivas, it is not taught. Hilchah's Kivad of Aim. So we really don't know that we're supposed to stand up when they walk into the room. Svardim, if you have Svardish or friends, you see that they do do that when the parent walks into the room. From what age? He suggests that yeshivas teach this halacha to their students from the age when they learn Gemara, approximately 10 years old. And Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky, and we pretty much every single page in this book went to Rav Shmuel, was asked regarding the halacha of standing up for your parents. It is definitely a beautiful hanhaga for the children to stand up for their parents when they enter the room. However, since the accepted practice is for parents to be moichel, it is very difficult to recommend that parents be mechanek their children to do so, as the children will not be able to fully appreciate the motivation behind their chinuch and may misunderstand it as a reflection of some sort of selfish desire that the parent wants the kid to stand up. My father was not mechanek us to stand up for him, and his children did not stand up for him when he entered the room. And we were not mechanech our children to do that. That said, said Rav Shmuel, if a child wants to fulfill this halacha, tovay ole bracha, he should be gebenched. I do feel it would be worthwhile for Abayim and Mechanchem to teach their talmidim about the halacha of standing up for their parents. This can have a positive impact on the children and can be conveyed without the concerns we have mentioned. Last night, I met a young girl, 17 years old. 
In all my years in Chinuch, I have never met a girl that showed such chutzpah to her mother and father in front of me. Beyond belief. I'm thinking, if she was, it was her minute to stand up every time her parents walked into the room, she could not have been that chutzpah. That you can't stand up for a person and then open your mouth like that. I think it's a very good thing to teach our children that they need to stand up for their parents. But of course, then all of us have to stand up when our parents walk into the room. Rabbi Yosef Weiner from Munchie related, one of my daughters expressed a desire to stand up for me when I entered the room. I told her that the common custom is to be Michael, that she will get a mitzvah, but if she does it. I added that a benefit of standing up for one's parents on a daily basis is automatically makes the child more focused on kibbutz of aim. My daughter, says Rabbi Weiner, was respectful and helpful before she began rising in my honor. But I have seen that since she began this practice, the kibbutz of aim has gotten even better. So I think that today, I picked this of all 180, I think that maybe if we show our kids that when our mother or father walks into the room, we stand up even if it's once a day, I think it will definitely be a game changer. Maybe something we should take on in the nine days. Now getting back to our subject. So Abraham Avinu was called an Ivri. And the reason he was called an Ivri was because he, he preached that there's only one God and there's no human sacrifice. There's no such thing as human sacrifice. And you serve God by sacrificing korbanos with animals, not human sacrifice. And he was called Ivri because... Avery, he was on the other side. The whole world was against him. He believed in mono. He believed there's only one, one God. Along comes Hashem and tells Abraham Avinu, who gave up his life for Hashem, was thrown into a kibshon of Aish, was thrown into a fire for Hashem. And Hashem says to him, I want you to go against everything I taught you, and I want you to bring a human sacrifice. I want you to bring Yitzchak. And Abraham Avinu, against everything that he believed, does this. Akedas Yitzchak. Yitzchak asks his father to tie him down. It's not called Shechitas Yitzchak. It's not called Akedas Avram. The whole situation that happened is called Akedas Yitzchak. Because Yitzchak said, I want to be tied down because if I move, I have a mom. And if I have a mom, Abraham Avinu, they'll be able to bring me as a carbon. So, what does Hashem say? When he's about to shaft him. Don't touch him. Don't scratch him. Why? Your test is over. You passed your test. I know that you fear me. That, you, that, I'm in, that you're in awe of me. Over. Situation over. Go home. And all of us would say, Ah, Baruch Hashem. We're all going through our tests. And everything that we're going through, all the traumas, all the pain, all the questions, it's just a test. And whether, you, whether you're going to pass the test or fail the test, is not up to Hashem. I get this all the time. Hashem knows if I'm going to pass the test or not. No. In Hashem's world, there's no time. So the past, the present, the future, is all one moment. Hashem only knows what you did because you did it. So Hashem knows you're all by the shear. He didn't cause anyone here to come to the shear. That was your choice. Hashem knows that you came to the shear because you came to the shear. 
you have to think out of the box a little bit, out of the, out of the world of time. So you would think that Avraham Avinu would go home, and sorry, Meno, they'd make a big party. He made it. He passed the test. What happens? Turn the page. Chaye Sarah. He comes home, and his wife died. Zu Torah Zu That's how you pay me back, Hashem? You, I passed the test, and then you kill my wife? And the Torah tells us that when he cried for her, there's a small chaf, because he cried very little, because he was scared that the people are going to see him cry, and they're going to say, he has charata, that he did this big mitzvah. He's crying. So he cried very little to say, I accept it. So instead of being rewarded the way you would think, tzaddik, right? The toy it's tzaddik v'raloi. Yitzchak Avinu. And I spoke a lot about this in seminary this year. Because we all feel deep, 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 deep down that if we do the right thing, he owes us. And he's going to pay us. So there are older girls that are not married. And they went to Amukah. And they said Shirashirim 40 times, 40 days in a row. And they're Tznua. And they don't talk Lashon Hara. And they go to Shul on Shabbos. And they're not married. And their friend, who was talking to boys, doing every Aver in the world, they're married with four kids. And the biggest question that we have as human beings is I'm doing what I'm supposed to, and it seems to be I'm getting punished instead of getting rewarded. Deep down, we all have this feeling if I do what I'm supposed to, life is going to be perfect. Today, we're going to go through four, maybe five people in the Torah that passed the test and suffered. Yitzchak Avinu came to his father and said, tie me down so I don't move. And because he couldn't move, the angels were crying in Shemayim. The tears of the angels went into Yitzchak's eyes and he became blind. That's the reward for telling his father to tie him down? That he should become blind? But if you turn the page, Yitzchak had to be blind. Because had Yitzchak not been blind, he would have seen that Yaakov was trying to steal the Bechorah from Esau. There's no way that Yaakov could have fooled him. Esau would have gotten the bracha, and we would be in a lot more trouble than we are right now. But if you get stuck on the page that he became blind, you're like, Hashem, I don't understand, what are you doing? Let's go on. More than Abraham Avinu. Let's to go, and I've spoken about him many, many times here. Let's talk about Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik, talk about trauma and abuse. Yosef HaTzadik was Yaakov Avinu's special son. Holier than holy. He is the fire that will destroy Esau. He is taken by his brothers, thrown in without any clothing into a pit of scorpions. And the, and the Gemara says there is no more painful bite in this world than a scorpion bite. He is thrown into a, a hole 
full of snakes and scorpions without any clothing on. He doesn't get bitten because he's a tzaddik. His brothers don't say he's a tzaddik. They take him out and they sell him to the lowest immoral, to San Francisco, to the lowest immoral place in the world. They sell him to Mitzrayim. Hope there's no one here from San Francisco. There's a Rashi. There's a Rashi. We can't even understand this. So they put Yosef up to sell. Yosef was very beautiful. The one in the Torah that was called Yifas Mara, Yifas Torah, as a boy, was Yosef HaTzadik. That's how beautiful he was. Potiphar was gay. Rashi. Potiphar bought Yosef for himself. Lemishkav Zohar, says Rashi. Yosef HaTzadik is sold to Mitzrayim and bought by a man for himself. And the reason the, the Chumash says that he didn't act with Yosef was because Vayihi Hashem as Yosef, Vayihi Ish Matzliach, Vayara Donov Ki Hashem Ito. He saw that this, this, this boy has God with him, hands off. So you could imagine, and, Ra- and the Mepharshim say because Yosef would walk around all day long in Mirza Hashem, Baruch Hashem, he was always talking about Hashem. So this guy stayed away from him. So what's the reward for that? Potiphar's wife, who the Chidah says there was never more, a be- more beautiful woman except for Chava in the world, starts up with Yosef HaTzadik. And she's unbelievably beautiful. And she tells him, the Medrash says, that if you, if you be with me, I will poison my husband. And the two of us, he was very rich, the two of us will live together for eternity. In this world and in the next world, says the Medrash. And this boy, who's far away from anyone who's going to catch him, who was sold by his brothers, talking about trauma, reason to go off the derech. He didn't go off the derech. He runs out. And he leaves his jacket in her hands. If I'm writing the story about this boy, I would write, and then came an eagle and grabbed this, little, this young 17-year-old boy and flew him back to his father. And they sat and learned Torah for the rest of their lives and they lived happily ever after. He passed the test. He passed the ultimate test. He broke his teva. So what was his reward, ladies? They threw him into the dungeon of Mitzrayim. Could you imagine? After he ran out, he's like, Hashem, okay, I did it. I did it, no? You're going to get me into brisk? I mean, come on. I just passed the biggest test. You can get me in. I hope. So, no. He got punished. He got punished and was thrown into the dungeon. And you can't even imagine what a dungeon in Mitzrayim was like. And he gets thrown into, into the dungeon and he says to the Sahamashkim, listen, nobody knows I'm here. My brothers might come looking for me. Could you do me a favor? Could you tell someone I'm here? And many of the people that I work with who are going through pain and trauma, the last word, and some of you are here that are listening to this share, 
The last word in Pasha is Vayeshev. Vayishkochehu. And Yosef was totally forgotten. So many times in our life, we reach out and we think, I'm, I'm forgotten. Kleisrael forgot about me. My family forgot about me. Hashem forgot about me. Yosef HaTzadik for running away was put into jail. And the last passage in Vayeshev is Vayishkochehu. He was totally forgotten. But as today's title is, you got to turn the page. And when you turn the page, one page, the next passage is Vayimikesh and Asayim. Two years were up. He was punished for putting trust in the Saramashkin. Uparo Chaylein. And Paro had a dream. And Yosef was pulled out. And he gave me a haircut. And he gave him a shower. And he became second to the king of the world. From Vayishkochehu to the Pasuk that says, Atatiel Beisi, Paro said, you will be the head of my house, and my whole nation will kiss your lips. The only difference between me and you is my throne. Girls, ladies, from Vayishkochehu, from feeling forgotten, lost in a dungeon, to becoming second to the most powerful man in the world and saving the world is one page. You just got to turn the page. And you got to believe that the page will turn. And you got to hold on until the page turns. So he sat in a prison for two years and I promise you he said to Hillam and he davened and he learned and Hashem did not answer and he had to wonder how come you're not answering? I am totally forgotten here. My brothers gave up on me. I passed my test and I'm getting punished. And then all of a sudden the doors open up and they're pulling him out and they're giving him a haircut and they're shaving him, Rosh Hashanah and they're putting him in front of the king and he's translating a dream and all of a sudden he's king. And not only is he king but he saves the world. That's Yosef HaTzadik. Let's go to Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe Rabbeinu did not want to be sent to Klai Yisrael to save the Jews. He said, I cannot talk. I stutter. I lisp. No one's going to listen to me. I'm not even trying with them. And Hashem says, you have to go. My children are suffering. You have to go. So he's forced to go, and he goes. And he comes to Paro, and he tells Paro, Hashem, uh, there's a God, and the God's going to take out the Jews, and Paro laughs. He says, you stutter, you speak. God can't even fix your mouth. How's he going to take the Jews out? Exactly what Moshe said was going to happen, and he made fun of him, and whatever it is, but Moshe Rabbeinu did what he was supposed to do, and he told Paro that Hashem and, Hashem, and Paro said, really? Nirpim, hey, nirpim, you're a bunch of lazy bums, and therefore from now on, no more hay, no more straw. You're going to have to cut your own straw. You're going to have to cut your own hay. And if you don't make enough bricks, where there's no bricks, we're going to put babies. We're going to put Jewish babies in the wall. Even the Nazis didn't put babies in the wall. We're going to put Jewish babies in the wall. You're going to watch your babies die and be part of the wall. It's a sick decree. It's such a sick decree. Christ will never have such a sick decree. When did this decree happen? After Moshe Rabbeinu came to Paro, it got much worse. So Moshe Rabbeinu was very upfront with Hashem. By Yifku as Moshe as Aaron Nitzavim Likrasam, the Jews went running after Moshe and Aaron. By Yom Ra'alehem, and they said to Moshe and Aaron, Yira Hashem Aleichem, oh, you're going to be Yishpite. God's going to judge you. Hashem, you broke us. 
Be'ene paro. You gave him a sword to kill us. You made it much worse. Poor Moshe Rabbeinu, he came to make things better. He didn't want to come. Hashem made him come. And now things got much worse. Vayashav Moshe Hashem. So Moshe came back to Hashem and many of us ask this question. Hashem, I don't understand. Why did you make it worse? Why did you send me? Since I got here, the Daba Bishmecha, I spoke in your name. You made it much worse. You didn't even save them. You promised me I'm coming here to save them. Things got worse. You didn't even save them. What did you do? He was stuck on the page, Moshe Rabbeinu. He didn't see, he didn't see that there's a, there's a picture here. Big word. Now you're stuck on the page. But you will see what I'm going to do to Paro. That's the last Tupsukim in Pasha Shmos. If you turn the page, it's Pasha's Ve'era, seven Makos. You turn the page, Pasha's Boy, three more Makos, Makos Bechoros. You turn the page, Pasha's Bishalach, Kriyas Yamsuf. You turn the page, Pasha's Yisro, Kabbalah Satayra. Can't get stuck on the page. Because Bochu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, can't get stuck on the page. Same thing happened with Rus. Same thing happened in what we're going through right now in the Gullus. And yeah, even in Gullus, we cannot get stuck on the page that we're in Gullus because, ladies, there will be another page. And the page will turn. How do we get the page to turn? What does it take to save the world? We're going to go back to Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik, and this is something that I spoke last night in camp about. Yosef HaTzadik saved the world. What did he do to save the world? He's stuck in a dungeon. He sees two Egyptians. And he says to them, They're depressed. They're not well. And he says to them, Why do you look so bad today? That's it. That's all he said. Why do you look so bad today? Then they said, we had a dream. We don't like the dream. He translated the dream. And from that dream came the whole interpretation which saved the world. We have to ask, why? Many of us know there's a shit, a shit of crisis. I think yesterday they had a whole program about it. Why is there a shit of crisis? What am I doing about the shit of crisis? How many people in this room have done something about the shit of crisis. So the first question we have to ask is why? I don't know if she's in the room right now, but I'll tell you a story. You know, there's a lady outside that collects tzedakah. How many of us have asked her, did you have a coffee yet today? Did you have something to eat yet today? Where are you for Shabbos? We see a cup, and we put a dollar in the cup. 
The same thing happened at Chapanash. So I go to Chapanash on Friday. The bike calls slow, whatever. There's a lady, I'm sure you've seen her, a skinny lady that sits inside Chapanash and she collects and she has this coffee cup and everyone puts dollars in the coffee cup. Many years ago, she sat outside Chapanash. In the winter, it was very cold, she sat outside. I usually went 11 o'clock after yeshiva. One, one, one day I went earlier because I couldn't go. And I went at 9 o'clock in the morning. There was a BYA girl there. And she was giving this lady a coffee and a cheese danish from across the street from, from the pizza shop. When she walked away, I asked her, do you do this every Friday? So this girl said, yes. I said, how did you know that she wants a coffee and a danish? She said, I don't know. I asked her once, like, did you have a coffee yet today? And she told the girl that on Friday, she doesn't eat till 4 o'clock. So why don't you eat till 4 o'clock? She says, well, I sit down and I collect money and I know if I get up to go across the street to get a coffee and a Danish, I'm going to lose five, six, seven dollars of people walking out. So this lady was collecting money, everybody was putting in a quarter and a dollar, and she was fasting. Why? Because you don't ask why. You don't ask why, you just put the money in the, in, in, in the... And I myself never asked her. I never had the second look. I saw a cup. This girl saw a cup connected to a hand, connected to a person. And if there's a person there, maybe she didn't have a coffee yet. So now I try when I leave shul, and you have all these Russian ladies sitting there, thinking, you want a coffee, can I get you a drink? And many times they want a coffee to drink, nobody asked them. The world was saved! Because Yosef asked two Arabs, why do you look depressed? How many times do we have friends and people that we see that they look depressed? Our parents, we, they come home from work, whatever it is, and Tati looks like he had a very bad hard day. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, Tati. But we just go by, we got our cell phones, I'm not, I'm not going there today. We got our iPhones, and the only Madua we ask is, why is my phone dead? Why don't I get, what's it called? Why don't I have internet over here? What's going on? Where's my WhatsApp? That's, that's our questions today. That's our whys. Why do I only have an iPhone 5, not an iPhone X? That's what the kids are asking. My dua, to ask why. A compliment. You have no idea. I want to tell you something that happened this week. So on Friday, I went to the ranch. Now we have this ranch, and on this ranch, let's see what this is. On this ranch is a guy, his name is Chris, a real redneck up here in the mountain. His job is to clean the manure from the horses. That's what he does. He feeds the horses, he brushes the horses, and he cleans their manure. That's his job. That's Chris's job. He um, retired, he used to be the head of ShopRite up here. For 45 years, that was his job, now he retired, that's what he does. There's a girl on the ranch from England, Hasidish girl, who probably never talked to a man in her life. So I'm there on Friday, I'm like, Chris, what's going on, how's everything? He says, fine. He says, you know, Jenny, that's what he called her, before she went back to England last month, you know, she wrote me a letter. I said, really? She wrote you a letter? He goes, and you can see the guy, Mamash, was crying. Our guy is crying. He was all lit up. He says, Rabbi, you want to see the letter? 
I'm like, I thought he'd have it on his phone. I said, sure. He goes into his pickup truck, and he has a hundred copies of this letter. Not one, a hundred copies. He made copies, wants to show the whole world, he wants to show all his friends. I want, I want to read you this letter that this girl who wasn't well, who came to the ranch, wrote to Stamagoy who cleans the manure, not your mother, not your father, one who cleans the manure of the horses, to Chris. As I leave, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for all you do at the ranch. Thank you for the things I know about and the things I don't know about that you do. I really underlined, I really enjoyed your company whilst tending to Lacey, that's the name of the horse. Thank you so much for cleaning all the stalls and caring for the horses, especially those treats that they give the horses. Really, you did it with a smile, not just doing my job. I learned a lot of positivity, perseverance, and commitment from you, really. May God give you continued strength and help to help so many others, horses, ducks, and humans. And may you have lots and lots of joy. Love, Jenny. This is the most precious thing that this man has ever gotten in his life. He has a hundred copies in his truck. This is what makes the difference. When you see somebody, the why, to make them feel good. To be Adam Lechaveiro. Your parents, your grandparents, your friends. What's going on? If they don't want to tell you, they don't have to tell you. But just because you ask, it makes a difference. And with this, story will end. What? You think I just started? I gotta let you go home. Okay. This is an amazing story. I'll tell, I don't have to read it inside. I know it very well. I'll tell it to you outside. So it's a story of a very big tzaddik. And he, he fasted and he davened. And he wanted to know who was going to sit next to him in the next world. So in a dream, an angel came and told him, the butcher. The butcher, nothing bad about butchers, but that wasn't his dream, to sit and learn with. So he started dominating and saying to him and saying, no, the angel was lying. Some angels, they don't say the truth. They're playing with him. So he did a Tanas Halayim, and he went back and got a dream that night, and again they came to him and said, Yechavrusa forever in the next world is the butcher. He started to cry. All my Torah, all my learning, all my Avaida, all my davening, to be Yechavrusa forever with the butcher. And the Malach came to him that night in a dream and said, that Hashem said, had you not been such a big tzaddik, because you shed tears about being with the butcher, Really, you're Chayav Misa, and you should have died today. And the only reason that you're alive is because you're such a big tzaddik. But don't second-guess the butcher. So the tzaddik said, in that case, I need to go and meet this butcher. So, he goes to the town, he comes to the butcher, to the store, and he says to the butcher, tell me, what do you do that's special? And the butcher says, I'm very careful with my weights. I'm very honest. The poor people get just as nice cuts of meat as the rich people. And half the money I make, I give to tzedakah. Tzaddik said, very nice. 
But there's a lot of honest stores, fruit stores and fish stores that do this. There's something else. What else do you have that you've done? Which says, I, I really don't know. There's Ephesus story in my past. Tell me the story in your past. So he says the following. I like this. I do have to read inside because of the word madua. Pasachakatsev. The butcher opens up. Pamachas yifi yoshev. I was once sitting in my store. Ubashi ayvos shogayim and a gang of cutthroats, goyim, came to the town, and they were kidnappers. And they had many captives. And there was a young girl, young girl crying very bitterly. The butcher said, I went over to her. I said to him, Why are you crying so much? Nobody else is crying. All these captives are sitting here. You're crying. Why are you crying? She said, Adoni, my master. I'm a Jew. They're going to sell me to a guy, and I'll never be able to keep the mitzvahs in the Torah. When I heard this, the butcher says, My heart broke. And I said, Relax, I will not leave you here. I went to the master, and I gave him more money than I had, and I redeemed her, and I brought her home, and she was 12 years old. He dealt the oysa. I brought her up. So she became a teenager. I had, a, I had one child, a boy, who ben chaf al shana. He was 21, she was 18. I called my son, and I begged him and I said to him, I wish this could happen in our generation. I want you to do my will, and whatever I ask you, I want you to do. And if you do this, you will be rich in this world and rich in the next world. My son said to me, With my whole heart, I'll do anything that you want me to do. Okay? Halavai by us. Whatever you ask, Dad. He didn't know what he wanted. He said, whatever you ask, I'm there, I'm in. I said to my son, I want you to take this girl, even though she has no parents, she has no yichus, she has no money, she has nothing. I want you to marry her. But I'm telling you that if you marry her, I'll give you clothing and jewels and whatever you want. Son said, I don't need any of that. If you want me to do that, I'll do that. Samachti Simcha Gedoylo, the butcher said, I was so happy. I made them beautiful clothing and I prepared an amazing wedding. Okay? He invited everyone to the wedding. Poor people, rich people, and everybody was having a ball. Everyone was having a great time. And he was walking around, saying hello to all the guests. And then he came to this one table. And this table, nobody was eating. He said to them, Why aren't you eating? Is there something wrong with my food? No. They said, no. These are the best food we ever saw. And everything is perfect. But... This poor boy that's sitting on our table, he is crying the whole time bitterly, and we lost our cheshik to eat. He killed our appetite. When I heard this, I went over to the poor boy, I took him outside, I said, listen, you're ruining my simcha. If you need money, I'll give you money. And the boy said, no, I don't want money, but that girl that's marrying your son, 
she was Erison to me. I was supposed to marry her, and then she was kidnapped, and I never saw her again. And now your son is marrying my Kala. He said, Really? He said, Yeah. He said, This is what she looks like. It's definitely her. When I realized that the boy was telling the truth, I went to my son. And I said again to my son, My son, I know I asked you something. You said you would do anything. Is that still on? Would you do anything? He said, absolutely, Tati, whatever you ask me. He said, take off your suit, take off your shoes, take off your clothing, and give it to this poor boy. And they made the wedding for this girl, to this boy, like it was his wedding. Can you imagine the boy? All his friends were there. The wedding was set. He's about to walk down. It's like, no, you're not getting the girl. And she grew up with him, so they knew each other. There's some guy here who she knew from her town who was supposed to marry her, give it all up. And they gave it all up. And he made Sheva Brachas, and he built him a house for this son-in-law that wasn't his son. And it's an amazing story. And the, the tzaddik said to the katzah, to the butcher, I don't even understand why I have the schuss to sit with you in the next world. Ladies, when my father told me this story, I asked him a very big question. Who deserves to sit in Ghana then? The father or the son? The son gave up everything. The father was married. At his wedding, went to all the chuppah, and he's watching someone else marry his girl. In his suit! And his hat and his shoes. His band that he picked. His photographer. No pictures of him. My father looked at me and said, the boy gets no credit. Because you can't have such a son unless you bring him up like that. The father created that son. He gets credit, but he doesn't get the credit. You can't have such a child unless you bring up a child that way. Why am I telling you this story? Besides, it's an amazing story. There are two questions that were asked in this story. When the little girl was crying, everybody saw her crying. They came into a Jewish town. So there's a guy, some, some shiks a guy crying. It's not my problem. A bunch of captives. It's not my problem. What do I have to, what do, I have to do with her? She's a guy. But this Katsav said to her, Lama, Madua, why are you crying? By asking the why, he found out that she was Jewish. When the boy was crying at the meal, by asking the boy, why are you crying? He found out that he was supposed to marry this girl. Had he not asked, he said, the guy's crying, didn't leave my party. What are you doing? You're ruining my wedding. The lesson of today is to get the page to turn, is to ask why. Not just to go through life and see things. Yeah, there's shit a crisis. My kids are married. It's not my problem. Why is there a shit a crisis? Why is this child? There's a Panasa crisis. People have no money. They can't pay tuition. They can't send their kids to camp. It's not my problem. My kids are in camp. It is your problem. You're part of Klai Yisrael. It's called Avas Chinam. It's the opposite of Sinas Chinam. It's the reason the base of Midrash was destroyed. Why does my mother look depressed? Why does my father look like he's having a hard time? Why is this person standing 
looking for a ride. Last night, there were a bunch of boys that were hitching. I went to give a shear in Woodburn. They got into the car. I said, you guys have food? You have money for food? I said, you're going to Woodburn. They didn't look like they had too much money on them. I'm like, no, Robert Walski, we know who you are. Thank you very much for asking, but we're okay. Just thank you very much for asking. Ladies, that's all I'm asking for you today. Just ask. Thank you very much for asking. You may not have to do anything. You may not have to give them anything. But thank you very much for asking. This girl's note, this guy's holding in his heart forever. He made a hundred copies. Probably every person he ever meets in the gas station. You want to read see what somebody wrote about me? So the guy who cleans your lawn, the guy who's in the, the janitor, and the people in the, and I, I said this in, in, the, in the camp I spoke last night, and the people that are, that are working around here, how you doing? How many of us in Regency have ever asked any of the Goyim working here, do they need a glass of water? They're working out there in 100 degree weather, they're taking our garbage. Who ever walked out with a pitcher of water and said, you need a drink? You want a drink? That could save the world! Yosemite said, why do you look depressed? And because of that, he got out and he saved the whole world. You want a drink of water? Could save the whole world. Can save you, can save your child. A person can get up by the guy and talk bad about us, and this guy will say, bad? I work in, I work in, a, in a bungalow colony. Everyone wants to know, do I want kugel? Do I want this to eat? Do I want something to drink? Jews are good. Jews are good people. Jews care. They care about each other, and they even care about us. You want the page to turn? You want us to get out of gullos? You want us to get out of this hell that we're in? Mamish Gehenim? Gehenim on this world? You want us to get out? You want to turn the page? Avaskino. Echa, which we're going to read. Megillah's Echa starts off. Yushalayim sits like an almana, like a widow. Echa Yashva Badar, Yir Rabbashi, Ka'amana Rabbashi. And it's very painful. And I hope we don't have to sit through it this year. Turn the page. And the last posik in Echa. Hashiveinu Hashem Elecha. Hashem, bring us back to you. Benashuva. And we will return. Chadesh Yemenu Kikedem. Bring us back the old days. Turn the page. Back to the way it used to be. Take us out of this gallus. We will be zeicher to see in our lives, soon, soon as possible, the page turn and the last plastic in Echa should come true. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.